Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 104. Our book is The Martyr's Tomb, the sixth book of the Dawn of Fire series, telling the story of story of something. It yeah. involves Rogue Trader and some Black Templars, and it's going to be a rough one, guys. Um, There's some Battle Sisters in there. It's about stuff and things. Mm. I like the guard. parts of the, the plot and the characters are characterful. Um, we posted oh. several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations <laughs> via YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning. Kind of. If you haven't yet read this book, go to the site. Check out the book and questions and come back to this episode as we'll be talking about the book in great detail. And I apologize for how hesitant I sound because, gosh, this Donna Fire series is rough, you guys. <laughs> Did you like the book? No. 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 No, sir. I didn't like it. No. I... I don't even have to think about it like Mr. Horse did. No. No, this was, um, I want everyone to know that originally we were like, okay, we're going to get back on our podcast schedule. We're going to give ourselves one week to read this book. And um, we both were struggling. And I was like, well, maybe, okay, we'll give ourselves one week for the next book because it's a shorter book. Spoilers. Um, but I was like, maybe if we take off the time crunch, it'll make this book easier and more enjoyable. It did not. I'm making a note here. <laughs> this, you guys, this is to the point, and I, I want to make this very clear that we're going to talk about some things. There's some things with this book that I did not like from a Mark Collins standpoint. It's not really his fault, though. This book series is just rough. and um, It's not rough. This book series is officially terrible. It has not been good since book two. I mean, I liked book three. Let's save our rage. I liked book three, but... Um, but since book two, I'm willing to say that hasn't been good since book two. We're going to talk a lot more about that at the end here because we've got all kinds of stuff to say about that. Um, I had a horrible realization today that I'll share later. Mm. Uh, let's start off on a positive note. What part stood out to you? Okay. Maybe bring out my like two quotes. So there was a quote early on from The Pilgrim like page 20 they have their crusade brother and we have ours we have the advantage of serving a more honest master like yeah you guys do nurgle's very upfront. can't this is true can't deny him there and then um near the end page 417 the blood of martyrs is the seed of the imperium i was like oh ain't that the truth more than she knows Mm-hmm. Imperium loves a good martyr. And yeah, think about like Sanguinius is kind of the ultimate martyr. Maybe the em emperor is the ultimate martyr. Yeah. And isn't that what they always say? Is that, you know, instead of joining with chaos, you should be willing to be a martyr instead of staying alive. That's really a tall ask for a lot of people who just want to live, right? They don't care supposed to be a martyr besides they have billions of mouths to feed right you they, should die um, for the imperium anyway what does it matter that is true oh man i took so in my notes That's i was like I this got. whole page all i took I a got. picture of it so i don't have a page number for my quote mm. uh, which is why i'm looking down at my phone down here because i took a picture of it because i was like this this whole page and now i don't have a page number for it i suck anyways um, there were two scenes for me that stood out. The first scene, and they're actually all part of similarly, like in the same chapter, I think. The first scene is when the pilgrim, when Gromulus first addresses Catla, and he comes across, and they're all just like, like, ugh, horror. <laughs> and when they describe like the like the fluid coming out of the console and just mm -hmm. Nurgle doing Nurgle stuff, I'm like, that's kind of charming. Actually, take that back. There are three things. They're all very quick things. There's that that scene. I was like, that's nicely done. I like Catla's reaction to Gulliman. I like when she's talking to him and she's basically like, this, this thing is terrifying. This thing is terrifying because of how impossible he is. And like when she realizes how much he's like focusing on while also focusing on talking to her and just, I really liked her reaction to him. Mm -hmm. Um, 
especially in comparison to Augustus, where she's like, yeah, but even Gulliman is still kind of human, whereas Augustus isn't. Um, yeah, the custodies are not. No, but the scene that I screenshot because I liked I liked the whole scene of it so much is when Augustus basically drops her down or dro- just rips her apart and is just like, yeah, you're doing this because of your own ego. Clearly, you are so important that this trap has to be for you. I mean, she's and a she's queen. Like, no, and you don't know. Yeah, exactly. She's a queen. Yeah, exactly. Is she a queen though? She's a queen. Hmm. Not that I think Fenris um, has queens. Not that God, she I was totally born there. She was a queen. But she, yeah, but apparently she's a queen. Oh, we're, we're going to talk so much about that. Maybe a um, ship. Oh, yeah, right. Um, but the thing that I liked was when he was just like, he tells her, you hunger for validation with the sur- the surety that it will be you. Why? Catla hesitated. I do only what is asked of me by the regent. No. He said, do not hide behind Gulliman as so many do in these times. I love that he dressed her down that way. I love that he just called her out right there, later bear, because he's not wrong, right? There's a great amount of arrogance and egotism with this character. And then he sacrifices himself for her. So I'm not over that yet. I'm going to be really honest with you. Uh, Because he was like kind of one of the only characters I really liked. But I liked that idea no, of... I liked him, and I liked the Dreadnought. Um, I just have decided that I enjoy me a good Dreadnought in, like, everything. Like, your, whatever book you're reading, as soon as the Dreadnought shows up, I'm like, all right, so it's just kind of interesting. Uh, that is another part that stood out when they described how he was like, that is, that, if I have to be a Dreadnought, yeah. get me a sword. Yes. Yeah. I'm, you must make me a sword. I was a swordsman. I did like that. There, there's one part. Actually, that was just a pretty quote. awesome. That was pretty awesome, actually. And I guess I, I guess I also liked when he told Gaharis, you're a traitor to what you're supposed to be doing. I'm going to stay here because that's what our duty is. I liked that. But then essentially Gaharis's decision is paid off, as it were, because it turns out to be right. And he runs into her and everything comes together and, you know. Whatever. Everything comes up Milt House. So on one hand, the I, I thought that scene, I was like, oh, good for you. But then once they all meet up in the end, anyways, basically, I was like, oh, so now it just makes the Dreadnought look like he was kind of being a dick. But no. No, I disagree. Mm-mm. I don't think he was being nope. a dick. I'm with you, Dreadnought. I'm with you. I stand with Dreadnoughts. I like him. Let's dive in. Do I have to? Kalahel Venter is dead. D- dead. Yes, she's dead. She is dead as a doornail. If they hadn't dug her up for this, she'd be pushing up the daisies. Astrid stayed with her. With her last breath. I had to go pull out Void King and find these pages. I did not like Void King. I did not like rereading this. But I had to because I was like, she's dead. Like, I was going to be okay with her being in this book when I thought this was a prequel. And then she explains the ending to Void King. I'm like, no, hun. No, you were dead. You're totally dead. And Astrid is not missing in the void. FYI, it was Erastus's sister. It's Erastus's sister who's missing because Erastus and, Erastus and Astrid basically take off together. Yes. To go and plot so let me start off and i want to address something that you said because i disagree i would not have been okay with her in here if if she remained dead in void king like if this was a prequel and it's because why do i care that this woman who died in void king was integral to gulliman's plan here because i because i've been taking dawn of fire of being prequels because it kind of has been like this this whole time Fair, fair so that's why that's fair um, you guys, I couldn't let go of this. As soon as she, because I think it's like on page like two something, the, she's talking with her Gothi and the Gothi is like, when I pulled you out from the dead, like you were left for dead or when I, you know, brought you back or something like that. Like she, she basically says that. And I'm like, look, yep. page 200. Thank you. She says like, oh yeah, well, you know, you were left for dead or something like that. Um, no, she was no. not left for dead. She was dead. 
she was dead, dead. Her so daughter unless... did not leave her for dead. That's not how this works. They were on the same ship together. Like, oh my God. this was not a situation I feel like of, you got to. oh my God, taking crazy my mom pills. got shot. My mom got shot, but we can't worry about that right now because I'm in, we're, we're in danger. We have to run off the ship now. Oh, I hope my mom's dead, like really dead and I'm not abandoning her. It wasn't one of those scenes. No. Her mom was her mom, shot. She was just killed by a gene stealer. She had her throat ripped out. Like you don't recover from this. Well, and if I recall correctly, she stays with her mom's body until it goes cold. Yes, she does. And said even long, it, I even reread this. It said long after she went still. So she was not left for dead. This book, and I'm going to say this, there's actually a couple things with Catla Hellventer, because I have two questions about Catla Hellventer here. Um, there's two things with this that just, they reek of editorial corrections. That's one of them. I have a feeling he turned in this manuscript and somebody was like, didn't you kill this character? Oh, that's a quick fix. Uh, when I left, when you were left for dead, oh, she's been left for dead once and it won't happen again. No, friend, like you needed to go back and read that because yeah, she, uh, it reminds me of that scene. Yes. And you're absolutely right. I feel like Mugatu. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Um, it reminds me of that scene in Soap Dish. I went back and looked it up. We cut her head off. Yes. We, it wasn't, and it wasn't a flesh wound. Right. <laughs> it was like through the jugular. You, yep. you don't, you don't recover from that. No. Um, and it just, I hate to say this, but this is one of those little niggling things that I can't let go. This is not a niggling thing. This is a it's huge not. mistake that the author made. The author clearly mixed up characters. I agree. I think this was almost meant to be Astrid. But then he mentions Astrid. And oh, God, were we going to talk about Astrid in a second here? Because I have a rant about this. But I'm sorry in advance. Um, but it just... I. <sighs> I can't let that go because essentially what you're saying is that Void King doesn't matter, except he specifically mentions not only Radrexus's betrayal, but when Gulliman is talking with Katla, he even says to her, he's like, well, you know, thanks to you bringing me that information about what happened with Radrexus, now we know. No. Yeah, for those just listening, Carrie's shaking her head already. No, it's like, I, I totally agree. But he says to her, now we know to do better genetic screening to check for gene stealers. That is actually what Erastus and Astrid said they were going to go do. So, let's dive in with Catla for a second here. What, first off, I have a question. I have one well, small, small, itty-bitty little question here. Why? Why her? Like, Astrid seemed somewhat compelling. Why not just use her and Erastus, who were like, we gotta go and talk to the Primarch? Yeah. Why bring makes, mom back from the dead? Makes t total sense. And we've discussed this before with some of these strong female characters that have these characteristics that we find to be toxic in men. But because a woman does it, it's fine. We're going to let that happen. No, it's either toxic or it's not. And these traits that would be found to be toxic in men, she's a bitch. She is an arrogant bitch the fact that she's a shipmistress, she's the head of this trader dynasty and she's like oh i'm gonna go on the ship and fight what is wrong with you you die your dynasty is over your rogue so trader you warrant is gone what thank you for triggering my trap card do you remember that one time that that person came on and said that the reason that women need to stay out of warhammer 40k or don't enjoy warhammer 40k is because we don't understand history <laughs> Strap yourselves in, History, ladies and gentlemen. Military and men. That's what we don't understand. That's true. Uh, but strap yourselves in, ladies and gentlemen. Because if you know anything about history, the rogue traders are, for all intents and purposes, a type of royalty within the Warhammer 40k universe. They essentially exist outside of the standard imperial struck pyramid structure, right? Hence they are the rogue. The rogue. <laughs> they are. They are. Dynasty builders. These are people who have been around since the time that the emperor, like their family name and crest has been around since the time of the emperor when he personally granted them permission to go out and do this thing. There is no world in which rogue traders have one child. Because, and the Brits of all people should know this, you need an heir and wait for it, a spare. 
So like with Erastus, his father had an heir and a spare so that when his daughter, because the world of Warhammer 40k is like dangerous and stuff. I don't know how to explain that to people. Mm -hmm. um, his daughter gets his heir gets lost in the warp. Well, now he's left with the spare. And that's why you would have that. And Catla is presented like she's constantly referring to herself as a queen. And yes, I agree. She's kind of a reckless bitch. But she also strikes me as being pretty shrewd and savvy. And so the fact that this woman would not have been like, yeah, I'm having at least five kids because we're Fenrisian. We like to fight. And by God, we value our dynasty. You mm -hmm. would have thought that like, and I understand she was like, oh, yes, Astrid's father died. Okay, great. Have more children. Because let me explain something to you. If you go back and look through history, nothing starts a war or attrition quicker than one heir or no heirs. Like, holy cow. This is a whole thing. Um, that part of this kind of blows my mind. And yes, the recklessness with which they behave. The fact that, and this is another one of those editorial revisions. The fact that she's like, I was raised on Fenris and never thought I would see the stars. I'm, I'm sorry, what? But then which she you know says that later that she was born on a ship and only so saw I, Fenris a couple of times. Like, what are you talking about? I think that was an editorial revision. I think they were like, that's not how rogue traders work. She would not have been from Fenris. But here's the thing. That portion where she talks about growing up on the ice and never thinking she'd ever see the void... Do you have a lot of siblings that you haven't talked about? Like, are there, are you one of the spares? Like, most of these people are dynastic. You get lost in the warp. You do all of this sort of stuff. Like, these should be large, thriving families because you need to have that. So, yeah, I'm with you on that scene when she's like, my daughter is lost in the warp and all is lost. And I'm going to go into that fight, that ship, and I'm going to fight some stuff. I guess you just don't care about being a rogue trader. Is that is that what I'm hearing here? Like you just want your you just want your whole family to die. And then we can't Thank decide, you. And then we can't for coming where, to my TED talk. Where she was born. It's on a ship, was on a Fenris. And then when she when they go back to that, you know, she'd only been to Fenris a couple of times and she's like, Well, you know, Fenris is kind of my home, but not really. I'm like, so you're born on a ship. So you're a Fenris fangirl, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess. Like, you've never, well, and that's the thing. And that's, again, like that's just one other, of those editorial things. Her other crew, who had never been on Fenris, they were Fenris fanboys and girls as well. Talk about well, their axes and their tattoos and their garb. I'm like, all right, whatever. Well, and she talks about the guys that Gulliman gave her. She's just like, oh, they're not real Fenrisians. Yeah, neither are you. Spoiler alert. <laughs> like, neither are you. Um, I hated that third Dawn of Fire book, OBS. But one of the things they tackled in there specifically was how much the Space Wolves did not like the non-Fenrisian Space Wolves. And they kind of explained it, right? They were like, you were, you didn't grow up here, so you don't understand like the, th the cultural things mm -hmm. that we all take for granted, right? And I, okay, I can respect that. Um, so I hate to tell you something, darling, but if you ever go home to Fenris, they're they're, they're not going to be like, oh, yes, excellent. You've come home to us. No, they're going to be like, you're queen of what? I don't care about you. What? You haven't earned the title of Jarl. And yeah. also, I really don't get the I don't get the impression that they would really give a shit about a rogue trader family. No. Especially one that has one friggin child. And you appear to be the lone person to like. I guess, I don't know, maybe I maybe I appreciate that devil-may-care kind of attitude to a rogue trader dynasty. Like, maybe we all lose it today. I don't know. But she talks about how important the dynasty is to her. And, you know, at one point she even mentions, which we're like, that can't be true, when she talks about how she kind of started it. And like, no, 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 They're not minting new rogue traders. This is not like the Inquisition. She's an Inquisitor. Again, this is like another, trying to see. There's like, this is like an, another, um, I think I wrote it down, you know, uh, editorial problem because she talks about, you know, that first that she, that she started this. And then later I got here on page 346 where she's like, well, I wasn't born on Fenris and 
haven't been for generations, meaning she was living on generational ships. So you didn't start the Hellventer dynasty, which we already knew that. And you're not really Fenrisian. So... <sighs> Pick Elaine. Pick Elaine. You guys, here's one of the things that I will tell you. My mother was born in New Orleans and is Cajun. Okay? All of my family is Cajun. When I go down there, I'm the little Colorado mountain girl. I don't get to go down there and be like, hey, I'm Cajun because my mom taught me all this stuff and I grew up eating crawfish. Like, and shrimp. Yay! Um, No, when I go down there, I'm I'm the little mountain girl. Aren't I cute? Um, Because I got squeamish about hunting for alligators. Anyways. Um, but like, that's, it's, that's the closest thing I can think of. Right. And I actually had a very good friend growing up who was American born Chinese. And Mm -hmm. she talked about going home to her family and them treating her like an American. And she's like, but I'm Chinese. And they're like, you were born in Colorado, darling. (laughs) Right. You're not, you're not Chinese. Well, I don't know if you've, if you've read or you've seen the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. But, But there's a scene in there. Where he's mm-hmm. going to bring his girlfriend back home and her mom's like, you speak Chinese, you look Chinese, your father and I are from China, but you are not Chinese. They will see you as American. And she didn't understand that. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of here. It's the only like equivalent that I can think of, right? Is that, And I know this from like, and that was actually one of those things if you've ever read any Amy Tan book. Especially right. the Joy Luck Club. That's one of the core the core things is that, yes, you are of this ethnicity, but you are not of this culture. Right. And there's the same with the Fenrisians. Even so the though fact your parents on, raised you in that culture. Their version of the culture, right? right? It's still because, not the culture. Exactly. And that's, oh, my God. Like, we had an entire book about this in this series. Um, but, again, I just come back to Why? Like, is she this great of a protagonist? No. Is she... (laughs) Because... Well, no, because a good rogue trader wouldn't be risking her life like this. I'm going to go on this ship and risk getting killed. No rogue trader does that unless they're with the... Not even with the Inquisition, I just realized. They stay with the ship because they need a getaway car, for one. For two, they need a ship. You die and there's no heirs, like you've said a million times. There's no dynasty. So you there's officially, no so you going, you are selfish, you are arrogant, and you're obnoxious. And honestly, male or female, I have no use for you either way. This is actually one reason why I don't like the Space Wolves is because they do stuff like this. But, but because it's a woman, that's okay. No. No. And I'll, um, you know, the number of times all I can think of is, and this is an old quote, but I think probably best said in Game of Thrones by Tywin Lannister, because the guy who played Tywin Lannister would do like slate it. Um, when he tells Joffrey, the man who t- must tell people he is king is no king at all. The number of times that I'm the queen, I'm the queen, I'm the queen. Yeah. Pumpkin. I just then act like huh. one because you don't then act like one seriously and also where are your other children like again that's the greatest thing that's the greatest thing about being a woman and having like being the heir to that dynasty is you can essentially be like I get to decide who what when where why and how of my kids yep and um and again she seems so savvy I would have expected her and in that scene right like okay my daughter's missing but you know she's not missing that's Erastus's sister it's his sister and his cousin (laughs) or sister and my daughter anyways sorry chinatown references which are very current and hip um it's her father's brother's uncle's cousin's former roommate well then what does that make this character absolutely nothing (laughs) like how i teach you um catla all right let's move on to the black templars so one of the big themes here between the, the Black Templars, and I think you and I were talking about this a little bit, you know, about with the Dreadnought and stuff, is duty versus prophecy. Do you like the Templars in this story? Like, yeah. how did you feel about that? 
Because, like, if you're going to get into prophecy, that's a gray knights thing with the whole prognostication. But we just read a book in Leviathan about this divine prophecy. So that was I could think of. And so I'm just like, I know that you carry the black sword and you're the champion of the emperor because it's mentioned often. I get Are you it. talking about Geharis, the champion of the emperor, the emperor's champion, the champion who carries the black sword, which only the emperor's champion can hold? That Geharis? That champion, yes. Excellent, excellent. I, I, that was one where I was like, I'm not sure if he's the champion of the emperor or not. Did you know that she killed her husband? You guys, and again, I don't, I'm not trying to be super snide towards Mark Collins. I don't really blame, this is one thing where I don't really blame him. I blame this series. If you want to talk about padding the runtime. Oh my God. Anyway. Book could have been half this size. Like, and I know that the Black Templars are zealots. I know that's kind oh. of their thing. <laughs> They're really into it. But I have a hard time swallowing the fact that they would go after a vision. Because they're also really big on duty. And yeah. Sigismund and Warren would duty. never have done that. What did Sigismund do? He sat and waited by the Eye of Terra for how long? Eye of Terra. Eye of Terror for how long? Yeah. Because he had a duty. It was, it was like a couple years. <laughs> Don't get hyperbolic. It was like two years. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, a <laughs> couple, couple centuries, right. know, give or take. At least. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're like a couple millennia. But who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> who's counting at this point? Right? So, uh, yeah, I don't swallow that they would abandon duty like that. No. I, I really Especially struggle with that as well. Especially not the champion. We did see some crazy-ass zealots. You know, earlier in the series, uh, mm -hmm. I think that was might have been what was that book two or book four or Lucerne? You know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was book four. Okay. Four. So L Lucerne. Four? Yeah. Well, whatever. Lucerne. I'm pretty sure that was his name. When he decided yeah, to go off. The guy who's friends with Fabian. Yes. And he went off to go find these Black Templars and they were, I don't know. They were extreme zealots and were kind of doing doing their own thing. So you have pockets of them that are not cool. You don't expect the champion to be like that. Yes. I was trying to figure out if that's the book or not. Um, it's either book two or book four. I know it was not It's three. book four. It's not book two. It's definitely, it has to be book four because book five was Iron Kingdom, which, by the way, we'll get there in a minute. I'll, I'll hold that particular rant. Um... But, yes, we've seen this type of zealotry, like, kind of, but not this, like, I have received a vision, like, something emperor has spoken to me directly and personally. Um, not even the battle sisters would believe the emperor spoke to them personally, because they don't believe that they're worthy. I'll give them that. <laughs> right? I, I did think that, yes, it's Throne of Light. Um, okay, so that's the fourth book. Yes, because second book was Gate yes. of Bones. Okay. Yes, yes, I God, I had so many thoughts on these on this series. Um I remember the the Bucharest ring? Remember that? Wasn't that supposed to be like the big bad? Anyway, let's continue. That vanished like a fart in church, didn't yeah, it? That's a let's, um, let's continue with this, you know, insanity. I and I really did like abandon this world. The seventh world. The seventh world that the death guards that the death guard for it. are coming for. That's, I'm sorry, maybe y'all didn't get the memo that Seven is a big deal to Nurgle. If they took over the Seventh Planet, they would have a way to Terra open. Isn't that a little more important than deciding, I need to go find this random rogue trader who can't find a gate through the um, Kikatris Maledictum? I think so. You're dumb. You're just yeah, fortunate well, the fact that you know, I had a battle sister who ended up really becoming a saint or the phoenix I don't really know what she became. I imagine her being like the Phoenix from X-Men, quite honestly, because she came out in space, uh, yeah. all, in, all on fire. Yeah. She was going to do that anyway. You didn't need to be there at all. You needed to stay on that planet and do your duty. 
You needed to. And that's the thing that, God, I, God, there's a lot, there's a lot to say there or to address there. Um, I, yeah, I, there's a lot to say about that. So first thing, first thing is that I, that you guys had a duty to this planet. And the joke that I made when I was reading it is that I think Harris must have read the script and he knew that this planet really didn't matter anyways, because here's a thing that I always hate in books is when I hate when characters that we're supposed to believe are smart, behave in dumb ways. Looking at you, Gromulus. <laughs> like you come out of the cicatrix maledictum and you're like, Oh, hey, there's a rogue trader. And he even kind of is like, what are you doing here? Like, that's not what I was expecting. Um, so kill her and move on with it. Yeah. But oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. You have spent how long getting all of these planets, the six planets? You get to the seventh one and then you're like, hey, what's over here? Yeah. What? And again, I, I think it's almost like it comes down to like, it's almost like he, all I could think of was the pitch meeting. Well, why would he leave that in that planet? Because it's not important. Okay. But I did love that the dreadnought was like, nope, that is not how we operate. We do not leave. And even if this planet ends up ultimately being not terribly plot relevant to this book, it's not that it's not plot relevant. It's just not very plot interesting. Um, even though... We're going to stay here and we're going to guard this. And we're gonna, like, again, there's literal nerg, nurgling cultists. That's what um, drove me nuts because this book was like the first book in Dawn of Fire to actually link Dark Imperium. The whole thing with the Death Guard and the gardens. That's so important. And then we decided to make it about this stupid ass rogue trader who's supposed to be dead. Who's dead? Uh. Like when I read like the beginning of this, I was like, oh, we're really going to we're going to connect, you know, the Dark Imperium and Plague Wars to Dawn of Fire. I am here for this. And then no, we didn't. We didn't. I like to imagine that the Dawn of Fire series and the Plague War series and a few of the other books that are out there, like if you've ever seen the Pepe Silva episode of Always Sunny or the meme, um, it's like a string board and there's like strings going and then all of a sudden one of the strings just drops and hangs down onto mm. the floor because we just dropped that plot like a bad habit. Right. Um, yes, I had a similar thought where I was like, all right, all right, the Death Guard is back. Okay, this is interesting. This is going to link these all. No, never mind. I guess. I guess not. I guess we had like a glide, but we've, we've, we'll talk more about that in a second with the series because that has been a really big theme with the series. I'm going to save that particular thought for when we get to that. Um, let's talk about the sisters because we spent a lot of time with the sisters. Did you like these sisters? Were they compelling? Did they serve the narrative? Sure. When they <laughs> were there. I mean. That was the only thing you said. That was the only thing you weren't like, nope, immediately. I mean, I was more invested in them because like as soon as the Black Templars went off, I was like, I'm done with you. At least the sisters are doing their duty on this planet. That's true. Actually, you know, the one thing I would give from a narrative structure that was somewhat interesting, Geharis leaves and then we don't really see him again until he hooks up with Catla. That was at least smart. I liked that. That's true. At least like he didn't overstay his welcome. I think maybe at some level they realized that. Except that then we got a whole bunch of Catla that was like pointless. Yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> She's dead. Like the whole thing with the sisters found interesting like the whole the whole this book was even called the martyr's tomb and it is about that one sister who was a saint her tomb and yet we're talking about catla for most of the book you lost the point the this book is supposed to be about the death guard trying to take over this planet as they talked about how they like to collect and defoul the uh relics and these martyrs yeah especially the sisterhood they love doing that. That's candy to them. Because they're jerks. But no, we had to focus on Catla, who's dead. Mm -hmm. And served ultimately woman. no point in the end. None. I was telling my husband, I was like, you know what? If 
I knew I should have had wine for this podcast. Oh, I'm glad I'm not drinking because it'd be 10 times worse right now. And I apologize that I'm really ranting about this and going off in like odd tangents about this. Um, with wine, it would be so much worse. I want everyone to know that. So you're kind of welcome. Um, I liked Peter Fahavari's books better than this. Yes, I said it. At least his had a point. Uh, yeah. And at least he didn't yeah. bring back dead characters. And if he did, it's because they were in a time loop. At least it made sense there. Processing, 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 processing. Um, this conversation has warped my fragile little mind. Um, I don't know how to process this information. Okay. Um, Again, these those books had a point. I hated those books. I, I would read this. No. I would read those again over this. Yep. Who are you? Because that's how much um, I hated this. Wow. Damn. Um, oh. Because she's dead. Um, I could not. No. You made a mistake. You didn't take good notes. You kept changing. Stuff kept changing. You mixed up You know, characters. all he would have had to do was control F, Right. <laughs> For Catla, replace with Astrid, and then remove all other lines of Astrid. You could have had change those to Catla and how sad she is that her mom's dead. Could have Astrid and Erastus, and even Erastus, maybe if he finds his sister. Right? You could have had it, that. That's his motivation. Is he's it, looking for his sister, and Astrid's helping him because she's swell like that. And it would have worked fine. I don't know what the hard-on is for this character. I didn't like her in Void King. I was not a fan of her. I liked Astrid. Oh, yeah, but I, did I liked not Astrid. Like her. I didn't like Catla. Um, and again, you have these smart characters behaving badly. Sorry, we were talking about the sisters here. Um, I'm just so irritated. I The sisters were so... I liked them as characters. I thought they were good characters. I thought you know, he did not go into the slash wristing with the sisters as we see no. as much. Um but the constant, constant talking about the saint and her time with her and that eaglet. It's symbolic. Do you see? Um, it felt like a lot of wasted space. And there, like every time she appeared on screen, screen, on page, I was like, oh. those were those were probably the there most was, difficult chapter chapters for me. There were some some of that was necessary. Absolutely. But it was too much. Actually, like, okay. Because, again, because the majority of the, of the action takes place with Katla, like, I didn't like Katla, and I was really irate that she's still, she's back from the dead. However, having said that, um, watch, somebody in the comments is going to be like, didn't you read the short story where her Gothi uses some sort of Fenrisian warp magic to bring her back, and she's really like a husk she's like a lich okay let me tell you what i did there's a short story at the end of the collector's edition i actually scanned it because i saw it was about cat to think maybe this explains it no it does not that's not even what it's about i'm sure somebody's gonna be like there's a short story where they talk about how she's basically risen from the dead no don't um don't care and i'll be like that's that's chaos um (laughs) right and yeah don't care is really what that boils or are they down gonna to. do Princess Bride? She was mostly dead, which means partially alive. Um, no, she had her throat ripped out. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, the thing about Arena's character, her chapters, the sisters' chapters, were the, oh, I was like, oh. Even though I didn't like Catla, at least stuff was happening with Catla's chapters, like. Things were happening. There was action. There was a little bit of pacing. Okay. She had some interesting conversations with Augustus. You're, you're right about that. Because one thing about the sisters' chapters is for a planet that's being invaded by Death Guard, you guys are sure doing a whole lot of nothing. And waxing sentimental. Uh, but when stuff did happen, it was really, really big. But again, it goes back to, like, trimming the fat. And there was so much fat in this book. So so much there was no reason for this book to be over 400 pages none 
this book, I was trying to explain this to my husband, and he compared it to, I can't think of the name of that movie, but it's with John Candy. I think it's Rick Moranis, with the uh, the old 76er, or the old 96er. The, the, the steak where it's like this much steak, but then it's, all uh, that John fat. It's John Candy and, and Dan Aykroyd. Yes. It is Dan Aykroyd. It's the great outdoors. Yes, the old, it's the old 96er. Let me explain this is because the this has actually come up a lot this summer with my family. I don't know why, but the old 96er. And when he's like, here he ate everything, he's like, no. He's like, there's nothing on there but gristle and fat. And the guy smiles at him. <laughs> he has oh, yeah. the gristle and fat. Yeah. That's what this book kind of was. Was And, of course, you can buy a shirt that says I ate an old 96er. Because I had to find of the picture of the steak. It's so bad. Um it's basically yeah, a whole. It's, so it's like a whole section of a cow. <laughs> Think about it. Basically, yeah. Um, that it's gonna remind me of. All right, let's get into the meta commentary here, because I think you've pretty much summed up this series. There's no reason for this series to be this long, and I'm gonna be really honest with you right now. Generally, I'm like, you know what? Can we just come to the end? Could we just re- put the seventh book out there and um, skip to the end? skip to the end <laughs> exactly if we could just get to the end of this series where you know the death guard turns into ice cream and the krogan baked gullum in a cake if we could get to that happy ending and just be done with it like for a while there i was w- wishing for that and now after reading this book i think you can just go away silently and they just don't ever publish another book for it like and, I, and, and in the comments below please disagree with me i would Actually, love to hear this they should come out with a seventh book because that'd be the perfect way to tie it into the Death Guard. That's true, actually. To start yeah, with, with Dark seven. Imperium. Yeah, 100%. Um, I would love to hear in the comments below, but I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that... Now, of course, I have to sneeze. <laughs> if they... <laughs> as I'm like, I'm out of rant! Um, I honestly believe that if they just didn't publish another book, it would be like two or three years before somebody was like, were there more Donna Fire books? Like, I honestly think it would take a very long time for people to realize it because nobody seems to be invested in the series. And maybe I'm wrong. And I would love to be, love to be proven wrong in the comments. But um, I just, well, from what I've seen, just for the fact that we're able to get the limited editions very easily compared to everything else. Um, and the fact that whenever I visit the Citadel, they still have copies of the CEs when I go there, uh, that says to me that no. People aren't enjoying this series. And I actually would be, now I'm actually wondering on the Black Library if they still have like copies of this available on the site. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be really honest and say that I think this, I think it just totally lost its way. And I think actually part of that was retconning that whole Dark Imperium. And now that the lion is awake, I don't really care about anything that's going on in this series. Like, I want to know more about what's going on over there because that's more interesting. And like, we just read Leviathan. Leviathan, that book was more interesting than like four of these combined. Oh my God. So I was like, prove me wrong. The series lost its way. All I can think of now is that it's about the puppy who lost his way. And we we are all now dumber for having heard that. Exactly. It, it, like, this whole series is the full Billy Madison. What you've just said was the most idiotic. Like, because it's, I shouldn't say idiotic, that's really cruel, but it just doesn't make any sense anymore. And I'm just not like, pick a lane. Are we going after Bucharest's ring? Is this about Robbie Bobby bringing the space marines, the Primaris marines to the various chapters? Like, what are we doing with this book? You don't even know. And I found it particularly I thought it was supposed odd. to be about the Indominus Crusade. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen Haven't it. Haven't seen it. Well, the first book. Oh, the first two. First two for sure. Well, the first book and the third book, as much as I hate that third book, the first book and the third book kind of tie together spiritually because it's talking about yes. him revealing all of the primaries oh, and so people's then reactions to them. The second and, and then the he goes fourth. Fat- the second and the fourth book tie together yes. quite nicely because those are and, and then, those are cru- but that's about the Indominus Crusade, the Crusade, the Crusade they're supposed to be on that Crusade. And then the fifth book is really more of like a political drama of trying to get this very self-centered and bad monarch. Again, 
as like one child because people don't know how to monarch. Um, for some reason, there seems to be this, and this is not, and I'm not knocking per, per se, knocking any of the Black Library authors, but this is actually one of those things that you see a lot in literature because I read a lot of historical fiction. Um, strong female characters have perhaps one child. Probably even none. Um, and I don't know why that is. It's like they seem to think that having children makes weaken. you a weak person. Yeah, which well, that's are, again, that is very sad, um, especially especially for people like our age. I'm like, uh, who's one of the strongest female characters that we're presented in in our childhood is, of course, Mrs. Brisby, who has like a bunch of kids. Mm -hmm. um, that's true. It's always very weird to me that, that that's one of those character traits. Is, oh, well, she's a strong female. She has one child. Yeah, no, because yeah. I'm sorry that having more kids doesn't make you weak. If anything, I think it makes you stronger. Well, it would honest. also show that she was smarter. Like, it, it would show that you're a little bit smarter there because you... <laughs> Again, it's the air and the spare at the very least. The air and the spare. You're trying to build your dynasty. And now you she understand has it. Nothing. They've now she has nothing. She's dead. Her daughter's dead. Kingdoms in disarray. They're just going to plant some governor there, which is, you know, now you just put that whole planet <laughs> in chaos. You put that whole planet at jeopardy. You put part of the crusade in jeopardy because you didn't think that they treated your daughter's corpse, which, by the way, they hand-delivered back to you, which, much, see Private Saving Private Ryan. One of the reasons I've never liked Saving Private Ryan is I hated the entire premise. Um, you just got Private ryan Like, they took time out to bring you your child. Do you know how many other monarchs probably have dead children rotting on battlefields? I know we talked about that in there. But the yep. fifth book... They kind of tangentially try to tie it into the rest of the series, but not very strongly. And then this book, this book's tie-in is they mention the Iron Kingdom. This book ties into the Dark Imperium kind of with the whole Death Guard thing. And that's even a little bit of a stretch. And Void King. Right. Why are we here? Void King. And again, look, I didn't like Void King. I know you didn't like Void King. I understand why some people did like mm -hmm. Void King. because I, people I don't totally to do. Anything. I, we don't get to see a lot from the rogue traders, right? So that's kind of interesting to just know that. And I guess maybe they're trying to show you just how much I liked Gulliman it has. That's fair. Mostly because Rad Rexus was fun. Um, <laughs> even, when he, even when he turns out to be a gene stealer, I was like, oh, it's not you, Rad Rexus. Um, a little bummed there. Um, I just, I just kind of wish this series would disappear at this point. It's very, I understand that they're trying to make it look like this is everything that's going into the Indominus Crusade. This is everything that Gulliman's trying to deal with. But quite frankly, there are other books doing this better. See, buy it. Yeah. Um, see a lot of the books that we've read as of late. There are, there's just, I mean, there's just other ways to tell this particular story. Like having these books take place in the Indominus Crusade. And I would actually say that a lot of these books have done a pretty good job of, okay, just so you know, like, oh, that's a Primaris Marine. Oh, okay, so we know when this is, right? Um, and now that the lion is back. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes the whole Donna, now that, like you said, now that the lion is here, it makes the whole Donna Fire thing irrelevant because nobody cares. Nobody officially cares. We barely cared when they decided to retcon uh, Dark Imperium and make that not a hundred years for whatever reason. And then, by the way, we're going to have the Dawn of Fire be the whole, like, Indominus Crusade to tell exactly what happened. Okay, fine. You know, whatever. We have that with Horus Heresy. We already know how we yeah. get from A to B, but that's fine. That's fine. Totally. Didn't expect this. And Did now, not see that coming. Right. And, you know, and I thought this was all prequels, but then Void King makes it seem like it's not all prequels, which has me confused. And then we're going, now we have the lion back. I'm sorry, nobody cares. Everyone is now waiting for the next book about the lion. When he goes to, when he, you know, confronts Angron, when he reunites with Gulliman, this is what people want. When he reunites with his sons, like, right. and I understand that you can't, I understand that the Eye of Sauron cannot turn directly to the lion and just, mm, Robbie who? Um, but... I feel as though, like, when you look back at the books that we've read, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? 
Void King, Kazarkin. Um, yes, the, there's been like a Witchbringer, right? Like there's all this different stuff that's going on in the universe, Leviathan, that you can talk about and make this very compelling. And you could every now and then sprinkle in and be like, oh, here's a lion book. Here's a Robbie Bobby book. Here's mm -hmm. this thing. Here's this thing. Here's this thing. Like there's the, the world is so large and vast. And somehow there's not room for this series in it. I just, I really do they think spread that their they focus, just... I think, too far. And the series came out too slowly. It came out too slowly and clearly, and I'm going to say this, there is clearly not an overarching theme or plan That's for this series. That's the biggest problem with it. Because at least the Horus Heresy with all 54 books, there's an overarching theme. Right. And the Siege of Terra, when they talked about creating the Siege of Terra, they all got into a room and were like, okay, what do we need to talk about? And who's where and what's happening? And they had this really big roadmap for it. Mm -hmm. And I just do not think they have a roadmap for this. And then, or if they do, <laughs> somewhere along the lines, that roadmap has been abandoned. And that's right. why, like, one and three makes sense and two and four makes sense, but then five's kind of off in the ether and six kind of relates to five, but not really. And I just, how many more books do we have? Four. God, I don't know. Is it 10 or is it 12? Please say 10. Books in the Dawn of Fire series. Well, yes, I know that there's six right now. Ugh, how many books will there be? Will be in the Dawn of Fire series. Um, I remember seeing somewhere it should be nine and somewhere else 11. I thought it was supposed to be 10. Oh, Christ. 12? Oh, some people are saying that some people are saying that there is no end to it. Like they don't have a set number. I swore there was a set number. I swore there was two. That's so I'm looking on Reddit and obviously I don't want to bog down the podcast with me right. looking on I Reddit. Just, However, I feel like I remember when they announced either Iron Kingdom or this book that they said we're now at the halfway point. It's one of the two. That could be, um, yeah, so looking at this, there's a lot of stuff where people are like, um, some people are like, mm, I don't think they've actually put a name. And some people are like, I'm pretty sure it was 9 or 11. I have no idea. I have no idea. This is, um, it's all over the place. It's just all over the place. And I just, and the thing that I don't like about it is that by and large, there's a lot of really talented authors who are, it's not their best work. Um. I'm going to give Andy Clark a pass because I really enjoyed that second one. Um, Until the end. Yeah. Um, but up that until that point, it was great. But like Guy Haley, Nick Kime, there's, I mean, these are not... Got him so disappointed in Nick Kime. Yeah, this is not their strongest work. And I think it's because... What are you supposed to do with this? And obviously Guy Haley had his characters come back for, you know his yep. Dawn of Fire book. And it makes sense. I, I, I totally understand that. But that also kind of makes it tricky when I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to care about this person, aren't I? Not. I don't. I'm much more interested in what happens now that Fabian found the Unremembered Empire. So much more interesting to me and intriguing now that he has found that than anything that's going to happen in this book. Mm -hmm. Or this series. I feel... <laughs> or this series like we have read so many books over the past probably two years certainly three years where i'm like there are so many more interesting plot threads out there than anything happening in this book these book series yep yep i just uh guys i don't yep help i know send help um Yes. So we, we gave ourselves an extra week on this one because it was so hard. And I don't, I don't enjoy teeing off on a book like this. This one was a really struggle, big struggle one. We're only giving ourselves a week for our next book, which is going to be much shorter. And um, prop showing off your limited edition privilege. Hey, if anyone should get a limited edition of this book, it is me. 
Let's be real. I mean, I'm not arguing. Yeah. So, uh, Cypher, Lord of the Fallen. Cypher by John French. Who is Cypher? Where is Cypher? Why is Cypher? <laughs> Very How funny. is Cypher? Pretty angry, I think. What is Cypher? Um, oh, my God. What if this actually, like, it's not going to, but it'd be kind of fun if it tied into the lions. I know it's, I know it won't, but. It would actually be kind of funny, but it can't, but. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot going. I, I'm curious about this book. I'm not a big John French fan, so I'm a little skeptical about it. Um, I I'm also was not. until I read this one uh, short story that he wrote about Cypher. And the horse heresy. I was like, okay, if you can carry that with you, I am down for this 100%. Let's see. The good news is, I'm going to be really honest. There are some authors that I get really excited when I see a short book from them because I'm like, oh, you're so bad. Um, I'm really oh excited God, it's for It's not Cypher. even 200 pages. This may be perfect yeah. for John French, to be totally honest. Like, I love his short stories. He does write a good novella. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm. Cautiously optimistic for this one. Not gonna lie. Should I mean, be at least I it'll be easier to read in a week, and then we'll be back on schedule. I kind of wish it was Gav Thorpe, but what can I do? Go I on. also wish Gav Thorpe wrote the Lion, but that's that's just because I think Gav Thorpe writes the Dark Angels incredibly well. But if you're gonna have him write, you know, just like Luther, some of the Fallen then I think he should have written this. And that's just my personal opinion. Maybe this will blow my mind and it'll be amazing. I'd be like, okay, it's fine. He didn't write it. That's just my personal opinion. I think he writes the Dark Angels very well. Him and Phil Kelly. You yes, Phil I Kelly? would love to see more Phil Kelly. Like ones. Phil Kelly just wrote that one book, but I still really liked it. So, Really yeah. liked that one. Um, I really wish they would get him off of the Tau. Yeah, but even that Dark Angels Maybe. book he wrote had the Tau. Maybe he just really likes the towel. Maybe he paints and plays the towel. Well, bless his heart. Somebody should love them. Um, just saying. Prove me wrong. Somebody has to like the fish, the fish people. Yes, the weeboo space fish. Um, yes. Do you want to take us out, Carrie? Yes, I will. I think stick a fork in this thing. We're done. Yeah. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding the Martyr's Tomb. I actually I even don't even have it by me. <laughs> I'm that done with it. Regarding the Martyr's Tomb by Mark Collins. Be sure to join us next time for Cypher, Lord of the Fallen by John French. Cypher. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the Fidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside the book club books, so please stay a while and read from a crack. I even have my mug today to prove. Oop, there's my camera. I am Alfarious. This is going to shock people, but... um. I'm rocking the Iron Warriors one tonight. I'm still disappointed that the quote you put on there was that and not I smell of dirt and entitlement. I legitimately want a coffee mug of that. That says I smell, I smell of, dirt of dirt and entitlement. entitlement. <laughs> that video spoke to my soul. It did. I miss that guy. So much. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.